This is Saucy Talks, episode 13. We are here with Andrew, also known as Real Face. How's it going? It's going all right. I'm glad to be in your house and <laughs> enjoying uh, all this uh, beautiful design here. <laughs> but yeah, I'm excited to be here. Sweet. Sweet. So starting off, you want to tell us where you're from and what brought you to Nashville? All right. So I'm from the Pittsburgh area, little town called... Uh, Beaver Falls. Should I be looking at this camera? Uh, you don't have to. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'll look at you guys. Okay. Um, a little town called Beaver Falls, small and quaint, but it's kind of my college town. And before that, I grew up going there. So I'm from there. Uh, did I answer the question? Yes. Yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> and then what brought you to Nashville? Oh, what brought me to Nashville? Well, music. Um, you know, it's hard to take yourself seriously as a DIY musician, uh, you're kind of like dealing with the self-confidence and you don't want to be too egotistical and think it's, you know, the dream is going to come true, but also you don't want to suppress it. But enough people were telling me, hey, you should really take this music thing seriously. And taking it seriously kind of looked like, hey, maybe I should move to where all my friends making music are. Yeah. So then I thought, hey, I guess a step in uh, building a little confidence in the Real Face <laughs> brand is... Moving to where I make the things with the people I make the things with. Yeah, sweet. So growing up, how did you get into making music and everything? Uh, yeah. Well, GarageBand was my in. Um, <laughs> I started making um, trap beats when I was in seventh grade. Okay. Um, and I pretty much just stuck with that through most of high school. And also growing up, I was involved in youth group bands at my churches and it was just like good to be a part of a group of people making music and it wasn't always that good and I didn't know <laughs> what I was doing, but it gave a good foundation just to learn like, how do you play with a band and how do you um, compose something? So it kind of like planted the seed for um, seeing the big picture of producing music, which always excited me. But yeah, garage band and then church music. Sweet. Definitely. What did you play? Like, I play? What instruments did you... Yeah. Um, well, I started playing drums okay. and then piano and then eventually guitar and bass kind of got tacked on because yeah. uh, if, if any viewers out there have ever played in a church band, they're always in need of people because mm. not everybody's like, let's do this. you know. <laughs> so you just keep, I had to keep on learning instruments and I loved it. So um, yeah, those are the, just play the rock instruments mainly and um so, yeah, like on the first two Real Face records, I kind of just like hunkered down in my bedroom studio and just recorded every instrument. Yeah. So, sweet. Not yeah. the case for this new record, though. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, let's talk about it. Justice's Closure. When did this start yeah. becoming a thing? Well, Justice's Closure is um, the product of probably. Uh, some breakup that happened three years ago, you know, <laughs> and when you're in the college um, age, you probably have had some kind of person that sticks around in your mind for longer than you would like them to be up here. Mm. So it started then, um, the idea for the song, I was listening to a, in a, a NPR podcast, This American Life, and they were talking about this house that had just been foreclosed and there was all the stuff still in it, all the pictures, all the memories, all the frames, and it just got left there. It um, never got resolved. Nobody ever got the stuff out of it, preserved the memories, and it just kind of started rotting and decaying. So I heard that podcast, and I was like, um, 
I was kind of like sparked an idea of the lady talking about it felt this sense of injustice. Like this house needed to be resolved. Somebody needed to preserve the memories correctly. And she was mad about it. And I was like, oh, that's how I feel with this unresolved relationship Mm. with this girl from college. It was like there felt like an injustice there. So I was like, justice is closure. And that's kind of a that's kind of a bold statement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and as you listen to the record um, more and more, uh, the other six songs kind of, you know, you come in hot with Justice's closure. This is a definite thing. But then the other songs are like, is it? <laughs> is closure real? Like, is this what it's actually about? I don't know. Yeah. So you'll have to listen to the full length record, <laughs> Dumb Blue Car. <laughs> So we've been listening to your music and it's produced amazing. It sounds great. Oh, thank you. And I, I was wondering, what do you start off um, when you're writing? Like, what do you write primarily on? Because you said you play like an array of instruments. So yeah. what's kind of your go-to for that? Um, well, so I used to always, I pretty much usually start on acoustic guitar mm. and I'm pretty adamant because I love producing, like produce for other friends and do other records. Because I love it so much, I know that I'll get obsessed with the making and the sounds Mm, and the technicalities of it. And then you can dress up some garbage songs in the process. Mm. So I'm very adamant about writing on acoustic or piano and um, not recording any any demos until the full record is completed. So I've kind of kept that model. And, you know, other people do it different ways and it works for them, but I've found the best way for me with the Real Face Project is to get really solid, just acoustic guitar, just piano songs. Um, So let me think. Yeah, yeah, it was about 50-50. This record was written half on piano and half on uh, um, acoustic. Cool. So um, you have a lot of other people, I assume your friends and bandmates throughout on the project playing instruments and stuff. Yeah. Um, Do they... Do you kind of write something and then bring it to them pretty raw still and like y'all get together for that? Or do you have like a very set thing in mind yeah. um, before you get them to do their parts? Yeah, so this is maybe the biggest change on this new set of songs coming out. I'm kind of going through a personal change in my own life of trying to not be a control freak with my art. Because <laughs> um, the first two records, they're really tight, really solid. Um, but they were all played by me and like, I very much micromanaged things and they sound sick. I love them. They were great for the time, but going into this new set of songs, I was like, I need to like let off a little bit. So it meant when I was going into demoing, um, this new record, I was very adamant that I was going to leave like lead guitar parts out. Um, and I might do block chords for things, but I was like, all I'm going to record is bass acoustic and do some sparse drum tracks Mm. so pretty much my big motivation was to try to like let go of control of um the the production process a little bit and let my friends who do that instrument best do their best job on it and um of course i still have like foundational like rhythmic patterns that i'm looking for so um but I, everyone I, who I hired, just like they got it. Um, I say hired; they did it for free. <laughs> but yeah. 
Yeah, That's so it, it was a great um, process making it. Like, there's over 20 people who play on the record. Awesome. And um, it was much more like a hip-hop album in the way that <laughs> I was the producer, <laughs> yeah. and I was just building blocks each time. Cool. And, like, even... You know, the, the string, I had two different strings players, um, Claire Lyons and um, Kate Williams. Awesome. And uh, then I just like took their parts and I kind of like chopped them up and like sometimes would yeah. repeat sections and yeah. I just had fun with it. And then you could like artificially add another octave below or yeah. something. Mm-hmm. So it was really fun to produce it like kind of a hip hop record in that sense. Yeah. Going back to my garage band roots. <laughs> yeah. So you talked about yeah, the like you started making trap beats in seventh grade. Where does that hip hop influence come from? Um <laughs> yeah. I'm laughing Have because you've always been a big fan. Uh yeah, no, I'm laughing because uh I like listened to a bunch of Christian hip hop when I was a kid. <laughs> okay. And you know, some of it actually still goes pretty hard, but um uh, that was just like what me and my friends were obsessed with. Yeah. So that was kind of a cool intro, you know, and now I honestly probably listen to hip hop more still than, uh, you know, rock music. Yeah. Uh, I, I think what I'm trying to do with the real face stuff is like bring some of the rhythmic patterns, uh, at least like kick drum patterns. For sure. Um, so it can be like, you know, and pop punk already does this. It like grooves really hard. Yeah. So yeah. you can like bob back and forth with it. Definitely. So yeah, I would say I, I still listen to, you know, a good bit of, you know, Kanye and Kendrick and <laughs> sure. all our favorites. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. Sick. So going off of that, um, talking about your hip hop influences, what do you got like rock wise? Who are you listening to? Ooh, yeah. So it all started um, back in the early days with Reliant K. That was the seed. Okay. Um, and then, I mean, in high school, it was Modern Baseball and Sorority okay. Noise, Remo yeah. Drive, um, and so on. Those bands in that realm. Like, it, it was a musical awakening when I heard Modern Baseball. I was mm-hmm. in 11th grade, and I was like, can, can music <laughs> do this to you? <laughs> like, it's so trashy and so beautiful yeah. and so pathetic and so honest and, like, profound at the same time. It's just... What's so cool, I think, about music in the pop punk realm is it's people are just like throwing their garbage on display for everybody to see. <laughs> and, but and then there's this wittiness about it, and it just it's really interesting to have all that contrast in one place. Yeah, yeah for sure. For sure. Yeah. Um, so going through your website, I noticed you cite Dr. Eric Miller and Dr. Joel Ward as influences for how <laughs> you got into making music. Yeah. Who are they and how did that happen? They're actually professors at my um, college. Basically, um, if you, I don't know how much you know about the early days of like the sound of Real Face and the lyrics, but um, I had no plan on starting a band. Like I was never the kid who was like always trying to make a music project worked on my own. Mm. I was never like, guys, listen to this song and like going to all the <laughs> open mics. I was like, that's for other people. I'm just, you know, I'll produce, I'll, I do graphic design, I make videos. Yeah. Like I more just wanted to support. And then um, I transferred into the college I went to, Geneva, and there was all these people making songs. And I was like, that's cool, but I don't know what I would write about. But then I got into this class called Humanities 103 uh, <laughs> by uh, Dr. Miller. Yeah. And I was like, 
well, I guess I should make a record about what I'm learning here. <laughs> yeah, that's really sweet. Um, and it was also like, you know, it's it's a big moment when you go from feeling like you've never had anything to say to feeling like, hey, I think I have something valuable that I can share with people. And um, specifically, Dr. Miller and Dr. Ward were professors who kind of took me under their wing in a sense, like, I never thought I was smart in school or like, you know, when I wrote papers, I thought they were just like always C-level papers. And I got in their classes and they would read them and be like, hey, you can you you can really write. You uh, have some really interesting thoughts going on here. And they kind of just uh, communicated the message, hey, you can be smart if you want. You can think things and say things that have effect in people's lives. And so I think... It was a confidence thing that uh, just through writing academic papers, I was like, oh, I can write songs too. I can say things that have influence. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sweet. So, so just, th- they're awesome. Yeah. <laughs> um, reading a little bit about you, we found that uh, live performance is a big factor to you know, your growth and the way you express your music. How are you feeling with COVID and stuff? Like, how has that been? Yeah. Well, you know, actually, it's, you know, this is the mom answer, but it's been a blessing in disguise (laughs) Um, because I was so stoked on um, a tour who came off December 2019. It was our first, like, week-long tour. We went to, like, five different states. It was really sick. And then... um, I was like, okay, spring 2020, let's do this. Mm-hmm. I planned um, 21 shows in 30 days. It was wow. like a house tour. Yeah. And I figured out the finances. I was like, I know how to do this this house tour model. Yeah. And I had it all lined up. And then, you know, COVID hit and it didn't happen. And I was like, shoot. Okay, we got to make the record instead. <laughs> okay. So that kind of sparked the like... Um, oh, I haven't told you guys, the new record's going to be called Dumb Blue Car, so I'll okay. refer to it as that. Okay. <laughs> um, so that sparked like, okay, I mean, there's no tour, so I guess I'm just going to have to make the record instead. And it was, you know, it was like a bummer, but it was also exciting mm-hmm. because then everything was virtual and it was like, okay, I'm not confined to like working with four people in a band making this thing anymore because my model of music in the early days was I'm going to get a band with four people and we're all going to record our own parts. But then COVID happened and you couldn't be with people. It was like, well, I guess I could just ask all my friends for stems. (laughs) And so it's just like online being like, Hey, will you record rhythm guitar one? Will you do the second? Will you do the third one? Will you do the ninth one? Uh, (laughs) It just, it was awesome. So for sure. Um, and but I, I do miss shows. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I also saw on your site, you had mentioned that you planned to drop an album fall of 2020. Was that this album? And did it get kind of pushed back? Because yeah, I guess I didn't update my site. <laughs> 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 yeah, I was, I was on a pretty regimented um, like idea of what my release schedule would be. I had this yeah. idea when I started Real Face that... I would release one kind of like six to eight song project every fall. And, uh, and you know, I guess this one came a little bit later and that's been part of the beauty of like getting out of control of things and yeah. letting things take the time they need to take. Yeah. Um, 
I didn't mention this earlier, but I think the reason I'm so big on this letting go of control creatively thing is because these are that's what the songs are about. Yeah. Like if you hear Injustice's closure, it's me being like, you know, close handed, tight fisted about a situation that really I have no control over what a, another person says or doesn't say or how they relate to me. So it's like starting at that place where I was just like, things should be the way I want them to be. Yeah. And then the record's kind of exploring like, maybe not because <laughs> that's just not how things are. Yeah. I can pretend like I'm in control, but I'm not. So that was like making the record. That was always like, I mean, I can't be super controlling over this because that's what the songs are about. Not being like, yeah, Ugh. yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sweet. But yeah, I miss playing shows still. Oh, I got something else to say. Okay. Um, we'll edit that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, going back to, you know, you've talked about so many different things you've gotten influence from, from hip hop to Humanities 103 to... Yeah. Um, it's a banger of a class. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, just from going through Instagram and everything, skating it seems like has been a huge part of yeah, definitely. your music. Um, and Wait, do you want to know something I just found out last night? Let's hear it. So, you know, Jamie Foy, I do not. Oh, he's like, <laughs> he's an insane pro skater. Okay. He's got like a new balance shoe. You okay. know, he's won like all these crazy things. Yeah. But I was like watching his videos. I was like, I know this kid, like the way he skates. And then I looked it up. I'm like, I used to go to the same skate park <laughs> as him as a kid. I was like, I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> That's it. You can take this part of the podcast out. No, Just, I thought that was crazy <laughs> that I was in like, I was literally for like two or three years. Like I was skating the mini ramp with this dude who now is like top tier on Deathwish <laughs> skateboards and crap. That's crazy. That's insane. Anyways, if, um, if you overhear this, Jamie, I love you. <laughs> But yeah, so like Justice's Closure, the video is um, a bunch of clips from what is the skate shop called? Oh, Union Skate Shop. Union yeah. Skate Shop. Shout out Beaver uh, PA. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So what is? How do you find that connection between the two, between music and skating? And yeah. how did that connection with Union Skate Shop happen? Yeah, for sure. Okay, so in in accordance with the lack of control, there was a long time I wasn't skating. Like. I skated a ton as a kid, like went to the skate park like five times a week. And then as I got older and like I got to be scheduled and like not get hurt so I can make music and do this stuff specifically, I stopped skating. And then I was making this record. I like, I was like, I really want to skateboard. That was like <laughs> the biggest thing I loved doing as a kid. And um, now I'm kind of just like, if I get hurt, I get hurt. That's kind of part of it. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, so I started going to the skate shop and hanging out with uh, the homie Jordan, who runs Union Skate Shop, um, in just this past fall. And I was like, we should do a collab on a video. And then, like, post it together, kind of give some love to the Union Shop and yeah. to Real Face. Mutually beneficial. Um, but, yeah, I mean, since I moved to Nashville, like, skating with founder Jake of Holy Moly <laughs> Records in the back there. I like to skate with him and I've been just skating a lot. It's a it's a good like anti-mind thing. You're just not thinking. You're just mm -hmm. doing it. Um that's hopefully like more of the life I want to live. Just being present in the things I'm doing and yeah. skating's like a great teacher in that realm. 
sure. But also speaking on the music more, Justice's closure and um, skating don't technically have anything lyrically to do with each other. <laughs> it's just the energy, like sure. the um, the the youthful angst and uh, I and I love skating. Just the like, hey, there's rules. I mean, why though? <laughs> Are, do they need to be there? I mean, I love yeah. that. I love that attitude, and you see that in like skate fashion and just all the avenues, all the music that's come from the culture. It's just a bunch of kids being like, I mean, I see what you're saying, but no, <laughs> but not really. <laughs> For sure. Sick. So talking connections. Think we're yeah. gonna have some holy moly members join us here. <laughs> Long-time long friends of the show. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes, this is the moment you've been waiting for. Andrew, you want to introduce who we have? Yeah, so these are actually newer friends. <laughs> yeah, I only started hearing... I heard Jake's music. Um, he's legit Smitty, better known as Jart. Um, <laughs> I heard his music last summer. Um, the drop... Top Ben song changed my life by Jart, <laughs> <laughs> and um, then I was like, "We gotta be buds." And I asked my friend, "Like, what's his number?" And I called him. I said, "Hey, I like your music. It's pretty cool." <laughs> so that's how I met Jake, and then we started chatting and um, kind of just collaborating on random music and videos. And he said, "You want to be part of Holy Moly Records?" And I said, sure. <laughs> um, and then this is the other half of Holy Moly Records, Keely. And um, she is a new friend, um, new business associate. <laughs> uh, but I saw the work she was doing for Holy Moly and for Legit Smitty. And I was like, Who's, who is that? She's doing a great job. And she's like really killing it with the media stuff and like, being a good artist manager. So I said, Jake, uh, who is she? And can I have her number? And then I was just like, I was just like, Hey, I'm Andrew. Can you manage me? <laughs> so she's been managing me. She's now on her fifth week. No, sixth week. Yeah. <laughs> going strong. Yeah. Going strong. It's been going good. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Go off. Um, yes, I help Andrew with anything <laughs> related to management or social media. It's mm -hmm. It's been a journey. It's been fun. Mm -hmm. We started out on Zoom, and he told me he was moving to Chattanooga. And then a week later, you were living in Nashville. <laughs> so now we all hang out. Yeah, <laughs> so what's the worst part of managing Andrew and JK? <laughs> um, that's a great question. I think that they're both very talented individuals. I don't think there's a worse part. I think that it's oh. just a matter of learning <laughs> how everyone... Like, they work differently. They're different artists, yeah. so there's different tasks to be completed for them and different ways that we can work together and just, like, communicating with one another, I would say, is something that we've all been learning to do. Mm -hmm. And... That might be an obstacle, but that, I wouldn't say it's a worst part. Okay. <laughs> yeah, Jake, what's part. yeah? What's your point of view on uh, real face and sure. this connection? <laughs> um, I don't know. I think something Andrew's been teaching me is like, well, just like first of all, since meeting Andrew, I was just like, 
dang, like you think a lot, like you think about a lot of things, man. <laughs> and I'm that way too. And so it kind of like matched my crazy. He kind of matched my crazy whenever like I met him. I was like, oh, you're, you're like, you're weird too. And, um, and then I was like, but let me find out like in what ways. And so I don't know. A lot of the things that I stressed about, like as a musician, Andrew was like, hey man, don't do that. Like there's no point in stressing about that. Like just let it happen. Like, whatever happens, like, let it happen. And, like, that gave me a lot of peace. Um, and then in other ways, like, seeing him be really regimented and, like, drawing things out and being, like, this is the way it's going to be, mm-hmm. which is, like, kind of the polar opposite of how I am. Like, I also draw from that, and I'm, like, that's pretty epic, too. Like, <laughs> like that's that's boss mode. Uh, 2012 words. But uh, <laughs> anyways, yeah, and then, you know, having Keely like, alongside both of us has been fun too because like I'm learning how to be friends with like business partners with my friends and like then in the times that I fail when we're like accidentally just being business partners and not friends I have to like backtrack and it's like oh wait our friendship is like definitely more important than like succeeding in like business realms Mm -hmm. and so that's been some things I think that we've all been learning as a crew is like just how to love each other better and like worry about the work at another time sometimes. So, yeah. Yeah. So I I think that it's so special doing work with your friends and that's something that like maybe some people would stray away from, but the work that I've enjoyed the most ever doing is with the people that I love. And so it's just like I compare it to rooming with your best friends or anything creatively done with people that you're also friends with. You just also have to learn, like you said, with boundaries and making time for both of those things, which is, I feel like something that has been new that we've all been learning to do this yeah. year and doing yeah. it efficiently mm-hmm. is yeah. something to find a balance in. that is really important. I have a word on that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here's my word. I agree. I love um, getting to know people through work because, you know, you can talk and ask, you know, what's your philosophy on life? But it's sometimes fun just to see what it is through the projects you're working on. So mm-hmm. it's been fun to get to know Jake and Keeley through, you know, the holy moly stuff we're doing. But then also when the other week when we were just skateboarding and Keely was rollerblading, <laughs> just like doing something fun, enjoyable together. Yeah, yeah, for sure. um, so it's been fun to get to know these two more through just fun projects we're doing. Definitely. So, um, so the upcoming, it's called dumb blue car. It's called dumb blue car. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, um, was that pretty much finished before you made the Holy Moly connection or, uh, yeah. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, I had the album done, <laughs> and it's it's been pretty much tracked since the fall, and then okay. it just took a while to get it mixed and mastered, and then uh, showed it to Jake, and he was like, let's release this. <laughs> Something like that, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, Andrew... Andrew, you know, it's been it's been fun having a record label this year. I make jokes. It's it's not always easy to have something that is an umbrella over multiple artists while also being an artist. Um, but the fun thing about Andrew is like we uh, I immediately was just kind of like, 
well, Andrew's just like already doing like when I met Andrew, he was just like he was already so head first into everything he was doing. Like there was nothing. I mean, there are some artists on Holy Moly right now, you know, like my friends and they'll come to me for advice or something and be like, how should we release this? How should we do this? And Andrew's already just like, Hey, we're going to do this. And so it's really easy for me. (laughs) And it's just like, well, you already know what you want to do. And honestly, I think it helps all of us whenever there's uh, a couple people that are kind of already in the deep end, um, which I feel like Andrew is definitely further along in his musical career and like knowing what he wants to do than like a lot of our artists are on Holy Moly. Um, and then also Andrew uh, helped me mix Goodwill Steeple, which was a fun thing um, that I didn't, you know, I've never had someone help me mix a project. Yeah. Andrew has been a great help in a number of areas in the holy moly realm and in my personal artistry and just the terms of, uh, in, in terms of encouragement and just positive energy, which I think took someone has taken some weight off of my shoulders. Keely as well in the positive energy realm. It's it, like when I started Holy Moly, uh, it didn't really feel like a, a thing that was really going anywhere. Like I said, it was just kind of an umbrella over what we were already doing as friends. And so now we've just like got a lot going on and we're trying harder. And when you start trying harder, um, the work gets harder. But, uh, you know, it, it all comes for a reason. And I think when you do hard things, you get to see payoff sometimes. And sometimes you don't. Sometimes you don't. And that's when it's fun to be doing it with your friends because then you're like, oh, well, hey, at least we're all still hanging out. And, you know, then it's fun. So yeah. I think I think a lot of DIY artists that are just, you know, not doing it with a community of other artists get a little doom and gloomy about like the stream counts they want on songs and just the attention that they want their thing to get. And I think when you're doing it with friends who really support you, you realize like it really is about making art that you enjoy making. So it's like, Hey, if I got, you know, 200 of my homies, like that's actually a decent amount, but, um, let's say if I got (laughs) 30 of my homies to really jive with, with what I'm doing, like, that's cool. And um, the music was fun to make. And like we were sending um, Justice's Closure to a bunch of different blogs and such. Mm-hmm. And most of them were like, hey, that's cool. But why did you add that weird choral part at the end? Or they're like, hey, that's cool. But why'd you add the piano in there? <laughs> that's kind of weird. They're like, couldn't you just make more like a traditional pop punk sound? And I'm like, I guess we could have but it was more fun the other way. So maybe some of the songs will flop or some, maybe they'll win. But at the end of the day, we got some homies that we're making the music with and, um, it doesn't have to be doom and gloomy to make music by yourself. Cause we're not doing it by ourselves anymore. Um, so you touched on it a bit, but can we expect some legit Smitty real face musical collaborations in the future? <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, we haven't officially planned it, but also it's kind of like, I'm like, now I'm in the holy moly sphere. I probably want to write the next record with like Jake and Keely um, in the future. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, everybody has a good voice um, down here. So I'm like, psyched to start writing with more people yeah. yeah um so yeah we're gonna be doing some writing cool sweet so before we close out you want to hit us hit the viewers with when to expect 
mm. the project and then anything else you want to yeah. let us know. Well, actually, I'm not going to tell you when the project's coming out. The right. ne- <laughs> no, the, the, the next big thing is April 2nd. We got another single called Space Control coming out. All right. It is a fun one. It kind of takes on a bit of the Nashville um, very subtle country influence, maybe more of the like spacey Casey, yeah. um, pine grovey sounds. Uh, I guess that's more New Jersey, but still retaining the the real face DNA. Sure. Um, but it's a slow jam, and I think the viewers out there might like it. So April second, space <laughs> control is coming out. Um, yeah. Cool. And what can we expect from Holy Moly? What's what y'all got going? <laughs> it's a it's a global enterprise <laughs> that's going to um, really take over the whole world. Um, music festivals, merch, world domination, boom, boom. monopoly. <laughs> I plan on selling Holy Moly to Andrew within the year uh, to focus on personal endeavors um, for for a large a large sum. <laughs> Um, on a real note, I think, yeah, I think we're, we're trying to get back. It's just a, it's a constant push and pull when you start doing more business side stuff, it's easy to forget the community side, like I was saying before. Mm-hmm. So I think we're just trying to find a balance in the coming year. Um, we want to throw some shows once COVID's over and, uh, we just want to have a good time with good music and good friends. So, yeah. yeah. Perfect. Thank you so much. Yeah. It's, it's been, been nice great. to have you. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs>